0: today as we finish out christmas remixed i want to talk to you from this thought amazing grace amazing grace i want us to look at john chapter number one beginning in verse 14 this is not necessarily a familiar christmas portion of scripture But I want to read it because it does encompass the Christmas story, and I want to bring out some fresh truth to you today from this portion of Scripture. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 14, it says, the Word became flesh. If you're new to Bible study, new new to church, Jesus is oftentimes referred to as the Word. And so it's talking about Jesus here, the Word became flesh. That's the Christmas story is that is that jesus he was born through a virgin mary god became man jesus became flesh he was born and the scripture goes on to say and made his dwelling among us i talked about that last week That that's the christmas story god became man god was born from a sinner and he lived like us he walked like us he suffered like us he was betrayed like us he was tempted like us God became man I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message God became man it goes on to say we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only son the son of God who came from the father here's what I want to zoom in on today full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he he was before me. Out of his fullness, notice this, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace. Out of Christ's fullness, out of who he is, We have have received grace in place of grace already given. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. The law, the Old Testament, the the Ten Commandments given through through Moses. But it goes on to say, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The, The New Testament, grace came through Jesus Christ. You see, friends, when Jesus was born on that first Christmas day, he came full of grace and truth. You know, it's interesting when some people hear the name Jesus, they have been programmed to believe by religious people. They, they hear that name and they start to believe and start to think about, well, Jesus, and that correlates with, with hate. Jesus, well, that's somebody who's mean, Jesus well well that's somebody who's who just wants to get even at you. He's a thrill killer and wants to get you and he's out to get you. And people have this view of Jesus is up in heaven trying to get you, trying to get even with you, trying to pay you back. But friends, I want to reprogram you from those religious thoughts because that's not true about Christ. You see, when you think about Jesus, you should think about love. You should think about forgiveness. You should think about truth and you should think about grace. The Bible says that Jesus came full of grace and truth. And I want to talk to you about grace today. Come on. Midwest City, Oklahoma City, those joining us online, everybody shout grace. God's amazing grace. You see, the Christian faith is really, it's really all about grace. Grace came. Jesus came. Grace came. What's the definition of grace? Here's the definition. Here's a biblical definition. Grace is God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. Some of you say, well, what does that mean? (laughs) I'm going to talk to you about that today. What God's grace means, God's amazing grace, His unmerited favor. Now, grace, understand this, grace is different than justice. Grace is different than mercy. You see, justice is getting what you deserve. That's justice, getting what you deserve. Justice is, you know the old saying, you do the crime, you pay the time. That's that's called justice. Let me illustrate it to you like this. You're driving in your car, and the next thing you know, you see lights. Let me ask a question. How many of you have been pulled over and received a speeding ticket in the last year? Raise your hand. Come on. If you're lying, raise your hand.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh.
0: How many in the last five years have received a speeding ticket? I have to raise my hand on this one. Last five years, yeah. Lord, help people's church. Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Help the pastor, too, Lord. Help the pastor. And officer gets out of the car. Walks over to you, your hands are sweating, your heart beating
1: fast. Oh, Lord.
0: Officer comes over and says, you were speeding 20 miles over the speed limit. Did you know that? (laughs) License and registration, please. insurance. Officer gets the license, registration, insurance, heads back to their car. How many right now? You're praying. Come on, how many you pray right there? Come on, you say, Lord Jesus. It's Christmas time, Lord. <laughs> Lord, you know. Lord, you know I can't give no ticket, Lord. I need this money, Lord. And how many, are like, this? How many are like this? How many like this? How many? How many of you do the rearview thing? You just start looking in the rearview mirror. What's he doing? What are you doing? Start looking in the mirror. What are you doing? Man, he's back there a long time. What's he doing? You looking through the rearview mirror? Officer's writing, writing it out. Writing. You're thinking, what is this? What is he doing? Officer comes back and says, Hey, you were going 20 miles over the speed limit. It's a $100 ticket. Here's your ticket. Have a merry Christmas. What? That's called justice. You got what you deserved. You do the crime, you pay the time, you pay the fine. You got what you de- deserve. That my friend is what we call justice. And, and but 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 grace is not justice and, and it's also not mercy, you see. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Mercy, not getting what you do deserve. Let's go back to our illustration. <laughs> Police officer pulling you over. You're going 30 miles over the speed limit. Officer comes to the car, says, Did you know you were speeding 30 miles over the speed limit? Uh, uh, uh. License registration, please, insurance. Officer gets license, registration, insurance, goes back to the car. You see the officer riding and you're praying. Oh, you're praying. Lord, please, Jesus. Lord, it's Christmas time, please, Lord. And officer's back to the ride. You're like, why is he taking so long? What is going on? Officer comes back. Says, You were going 30 miles over the speed limit. You're guilty. But it's Christmas time. I just gave you a warning. Slow down. Don't speed anymore. How many thank God for mercy? Come on. Uh, come on, thank God. See, mercy, mercy is you did not get what you deserved. You deserved that ticket. You were guilty. You did the crime, but you did not get what you deserved. That, my friend, is mercy. But grace is not justice and grace is not mercy. You see, grace is getting the exact opposite of what you deserve. That's grace. Go back to my illustration. <laughs> Police officer pulls you over. You're going 40 miles over the speed limit. You can't let go of the steering wheel you're holding so tight. You're breaking out in the sweat. You're thinking 40 miles over. This is not good. This is not good. Your heart is beating fast. The officer comes up to the car. Did you know you were going 40 miles over the speed limit? I go to people's church, I pray, I know Jesus, I help orphans and widows. <laughs> license, registration, insurance, please. Officer gets the license, registration, insurance, goes back to the car, runs your tags. check out everything. You see the officer right, you think this is bad, this, isn't. this is going to be bad. Officer comes back and says, hey, you were going 40 miles over the speed, you're guilty, but it's Christmas time. Here's a warning, and here's $200. Slow down. Merry Christmas. <laughs> what? $200? I was going yeah, 40 miles over there. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Just This is grace today. You see, that, that's grace. Grace is getting the exact opposite Of what you deserve. You deserve a ticket. You deserve to pay a $200 fine, but grace is unmerited favor and you get what you do not deserve. You see, grace, my friend, it's always expensive for the giver. Grace is expensive for the giver. And you know what else grace is? Grace is surprising to the onlooker. Everybody else is like, what? How'd you get $200? Was your uncle the police officer? <laughs> why did you get to him? You see, grace is always surprising to the onlooker, but grace is shocking to the receiver. When you receive grace, it will shock your system because you're getting what you don't deserve. And that's why grace is so amazing. 2,000 years ago, grace was born into the earth to give us what we do not deserve. And that, my friend, is why grace is so amazing. I want to share two things with you about this amazing grace. And the first thought is this. It's amazing grace because you can't work for it. You can't work for it. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8 and 9, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved. Notice this. It doesn't say by, by justice, you've been saved. It doesn't even say by mercy, you have been saved. It says, no, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. You couldn't conjure this up. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. You see, friends, we can only be saved by grace. We can only go to heaven by grace. And this is hard to comprehend. You see, we live in a culture, we live in a society where we have to work for everything. I mean, we, we have to earn almost everything that we have. And so when we hear this whole thing about grace, there's always this pushback, because we go, that can't be true. Because I've been programmed since I was a kid to work for everything. I mean, it starts off as little kids. Come on, you're a little kid, and parents say, go clean your room or you're not getting a cookie. (laughs) Work. Program to work. We want to play softball, t-ball, baseball. You're going to work. Got to show up to practice. You have to be there. You have to practice hard. You want to play second base, you're going to have to work. You have to beat somebody else out. You're going to have to work. You want to be a cleanup hitter. You want to bat fourth. You're going to have to prove yourself. You're going to have to work. We're just programmed to work. We, then we go off to school. Show up at school and they tell us, work. Work. Matter of fact, we're going to let you know how you do on your work. A, B, C, D, F. Work. How many of you were like me? I got whoopings. I didn't say spankings. I got whoopings when I bought, brought home bad grades. Anybody else grew up like that, huh? Who else was abused besides me? I want to see everybody. You know, I'm, in this, I'm in this thing. with I'm praying for you. You pray for me. I got whooped. My daddy would whoop me. And I told you in the past, my my parents, they talked and spanked. Herbert, you better get those grades up or else you will be. My goodness, I'm going to run away from this house if you don't stop. (laughs) This is child abuse. I got spanked for a bad grade. Work. Had to work. Had to work, Then go to high school, it was work, and, and then you got to high school, they tell you you have to take the ACT or the SAT. Like, you can't, you can't go to college unless you take that, and you got you to gotta work and study for that, and, and, then, and then, then you go off to college, and you work so that you can get a, a degree, or get the education, make the grades work, and then you want to you date some girl or some boy, and you want to win their heart over. It's work. It's work to win their heart over. I have a funny story. I've shared it here before, but it's hilarious. And I think it's more funny than Tiffany thinks it is. But it's one of those stories about us when we first met. And when Tiffany showed up to, to the university, she was a freshman in college. She was a cheerleader. I was a senior in college. I was a football player. And there was some other cheerleaders there that told Tiffany about me when they arrived. They said, this guy, Herbert Cooper, he's like an angel.
1: He, like, lights up. He's like an angel.
0: <laughs> Brother was not no angel. I was living for Jesus and they weren't. You see what I'm saying? And so they just like, this guy is different. You know what I'm saying? Like an angel. And so they were telling Tiffany about, about me and, and, they, and they told her, they said, listen, listen, listen. There's this event called Harvest Fest. And it was where the girls asked out the guys on the university. And they said, listen, you got to ask Herbert out. you got to get in front of me, beat everybody else. I'm telling you now, he's like an angel. This man is a man of God. you got to beat everybody. You be-. And so Tiffany, I was away on a away game for football. Came back to the dorm room. Got back in my dorm room, and Tiffany beat everybody else by like two weeks. <laughs> and there were Hershey kisses all over my dorm room floor. And there was a sign on the wall that said, if you go to Harvest Fest with me, I will kiss the ground you walk on. <laughs> hey, hey! Hey, boys! Hey, boys, come here! Get off the bus! Come here, fellas! Come here! Oh, I got her! I got We work. And then, of course, I worked over her heart. We work. We, we work to, to, to fall in love. And then when you get married, you got to work to stay in love. Come on, somebody. You have to work to stay married and work to keep the love rekindled and, and on fire. And I, I, I'm, 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 I'm happy. On Thursday, my wife and I just celebrated 16 years of marriage. Love my wife. Love my wife. It's work. It's work, and then you have kids, and you, it's work. It's work. You go to a job interview. You want to get the job. You work to interview, right, to get the job. You get the job, then you work hard, trying to get a promotion, trying to get a raise. You work, then you work to try to retire. You work. Life is all
1: about work.
0: And then this person named Jesus shows up. says, I want to save you. I want to wash away your sins. I want, you to go to, I want you to go to heaven with me. Well, what I have to do is free, it's grace. You're like, no, 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 I don't deserve grace. You're right. You see, grace is getting what you don't deserve. That's what grace is all about. You deserve death but through Christ, you get life. You deserve to live in turmoil but through Christ you get peace. You deserve to live in despair but through Christ you get to live in joy. You deserve to live in bondage but through Christ you live in freedom. You deserve to go to hell but through Christ you get what you don't deserve and you get to go to heaven. That, my friend, is what grace is all about. Getting what you don't deserve. Can I tell you, friends? Let me, let me describe it for you.
1: It's amazing.
0: Number two is this. It's amazing grace because it changes us. It changes us. Not only are we saved by grace, but we are changed by grace. You see, friends, when we encounter the grace of God, it changes us. The amazing grace of God will. Force you to change. You cannot hit and hit the grace of God head on and not be changed. I didn't say you change yourself. I'm telling you when you encounter the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit now living inside of you, the grace of God will force you to change. It will motivate you to change. It will compel you to change. Grace saves us and grace changes us. Paul says it like this in First Corinthians chapter 15. Paul was a persecutor of the church of Jesus Christ. He authorized Christians to be murdered. And here's what Paul says about grace in 1 Corinthians 15:10. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. I was a wretched sinner, but God's grace changed my heart. It changed my heart. I am what I am because of God's grace. He goes on to say, and his grace to me Was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And Paul says this not only did grace change my heart. But grace changed my actions. You see, grace compelled me. It was not without effect. Uh, It wasn't me. It was the grace of God. And I had to start preaching. I had to start reaching people. I had to start witnessing. I had to start discipling people because grace into my life. I encountered the grace of God head on. And grace changed my heart. Grace changed my actions. And People's Church, that's my story. I encountered the grace of God in that football locker room and we woke up high school. Tears streaming down my face, walked in, wretched sinner, living wild, and I met the grace of God head on that day, and grace changed my heart, I was forgiven, but grace didn't just change my heart, grace changed my actions, because you can't encounter the grace of God and stay the same. My life started to change. You know what happened to me? I was like Paul. It was without no effect. God's grace was without, not without effect. You know what I started to do a few months later? I started to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I preached my first sermon. At the age of 17, because I was compelled, I was motivated, there was a work going on inside of my heart, I encountered the grace of God, it changed my heart, it changed my actions, and friends, it'll do the same for you. When you encounter the marvelous, amazing grace of God, it'll change your heart, it'll change your actions. You say, Pastor, you don't understand how I'm living, I don't care how you're living, you don't have to change you, you encounter the grace of God, it'll change your heart, it'll change your actions. You can't encounter the grace of God and stay the same. Matter of fact, Titus says it like this in Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 and 12. He says, For the grace of God has appeared. Can I tell you that's the Christmas story? Grace appeared. Jesus was born. God became man. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation. To all people. It teaches us this grace, this salvation, this grace we encounter teaches us to say, no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. You see, friends, you can't encounter the grace of God and just keep on living the same way you've always lived. Once you experience and encounter God's grace, it will change your heart. It will change your actions. Grace changes everything. Grace changes how you see yourself. Grace changes how you see others. Grace changes how you treat your friends. Grace changes how you treat your spouse. Grace changes how you treat your kids. It changes how you treat your parents. Grace changes your priorities. It changes how you spend your money. It changes your values. It changes how you think. It changes how you study for the tested school. It changes how you work at your workplace. Grace changes everything. When you encounter the grace of God head on, it changes your heart. It changes your actions. And Titus says, man, the grace of God, it teaches you. It woos you. It moves you. It compels you. It motivates you to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. But I want you to notice what Titus also says in verse 11. He says that the grace of God has appeared and offers. Come on, everybody, Midwest City, Oklahoma City, those joining me online, everybody say offers. Grace has appeared. And offers salvation to all people, Scripture says. The grace of God has appeared and offers salvation to all people. I want you to know that God wants everybody saved. I want you to know that God's grace is available to everybody.
1: Jesus did not come for a select few. His grace is available. For everybody. Heaven is available for everybody. The grace of God has appeared and offers, offers salvation to everyone.
0: Friends, here's the real question, because grace
1: is available to you today. I believe God's pursuing you today. And the real question is this. What will your response be to God's grace? How will you respond to grace? Will you receive it? It's a free gift. You can only receive it by faith in Christ. Will you receive it? Have your sins forgiven? Will you receive it? The Bible says, have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Will you receive it and become a child of God? Will you receive it and spend eternity in a place called heaven? Or the grace of God that's offered to you today, you can reject it. And if you reject it, you're rejecting joy. You're rejecting peace. And you're rejecting forgiveness. And you're rejecting spending eternity in heaven. And you're choosing a place called hell. See, God's grace is amazing. It's offered to everybody. The real question is, what will you do? And what will be your response to this amazing grace? My hope is that you will receive this free gift of grace. And let it forgive you. And begin to change your heart. And change your actions. It's a free gift, and that's why we call it amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch.